Whether it's your first Easter service or your 65th, we are so glad that you've joined us. Uh, for my Cornerstone family, I wish so badly that we could be together. But out of love for one another and love for our neighbors, this is how we will worship today. And I believe that God is more than capable of working in our hearts and blessing us as we celebrate our Savior virtually so that we can bless others. For any of you who do not believe in Jesus, we acknowledge you and we welcome you. We appreciate your willingness to engage with us. And I personally want to let you know that you have been prayed for. And I have prayed for all of us this morning to hear a special word from God that He has for each and every one of us. This weekend is a little bit more special for me because not only is it Easter weekend, but it was also my daughter's first birthday yesterday. Yes, um, our daughter is a pandemic baby and we survived. We kept her alive for 365 days. And clearly she is cooler than her dad, just judging by that picture. Uh, whether or not you have children is actually one of the biggest decisions you can make in life because it has ripple effects into everything else in your life, aspects of everyday life. And when my wife was pregnant, I remember all the, the experienced parents, kept, they kept telling me, having a child, your life's going to get flipped upside down, your life's going to get flipped up, upside down. And while I didn't doubt them at all, I didn't realize how much my life was really going to be flipped upside down. But today, Easter Sunday, is about a decision that is far greater than the decision to have a child or any other important decision like getting married, changing careers, or choosing where to live. Easter Sunday is about whether or not you believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Brian Wilkerson, the pastor of Grace Chapel, just one town over from where we are right now, Lexington, uh, says that the resurrection of Jesus sets Christianity apart from every other religion. God became man, he lived, he died, and conquered death. And he lived to tell about it, and he still lives today. The stakes are high on Easter, because if the resurrection is true, it changes everything. Jesus being an influential person or a moral teacher doesn't have the same implications as Jesus being raised from the dead. Even Jesus being able to perform miracles doesn't have the same consequences as Jesus being resurrected. Because you can ignore an influential person or a moral teacher. You can even choose to ignore someone who performs miracles. But you cannot ignore a resurrected Jesus. Because it means everything he said in the Bible and everything said about him in the Bible is 100% true. The re resurrection reorders and recenters all of life on Jesus. If the resurrection is true, it changes everything. Stephanie read for us, the third appearance of the risen Jesus in the Gospel of John to one of his original 12 OG disciples, Thomas. In each appearance, everyone who comes into contact with Jesus is never the same again. They are changed forever. This morning, we want to see how the resurrection of Jesus Christ, if you believe, changes everything. And I mean everything. In our passage today, we find Thomas, who is told by the people who he had spent the most time with over the previous three years, that they saw Jesus with their own eyes. And Thomas speaks these words, Unless I see the hands, uh, in his hands, the mark of his nails, and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Those last words almost seem to echo, don't they? I will never believe. 
Thomas uses a double negative in that sentence, which almost makes you imagine someone crossing their arms and, and saying, I will never, ever believe. Not only does Thomas doubt the resurrection, but he refuses to believe it. Despite what his closest friends are sharing from their collective experience, they were all together when it happened. No one expected a suffering Savior, and no one wanted a suffering Savior. So there was no way anyone could have expected the resurrection. No one wanted a weak Savior, let alone a defeated, bloodied, dead Savior buried in a tomb, especially someone like Thomas who considered Jesus his teacher and rabbi. Thomas had a very specific picture of who Jesus was, who he was supposed to be, what he was supposed to do. So when Jesus died, Thomas's world probably shattered into a million pieces, and he was likely in a dark pit of disappointment and despair. Rumors and stories of Jesus being seen, Jesus being resurrected, was not only impossible in Thomas's mind, but it was inconceivable. It was not acceptable to him. And actually, Thomas shows us that we all have a tendency to misunderstand Jesus in some way or form. If someone like Thomas, who spent uh, yeah, uh, three years of being with Jesus, day after day, night after night, and he still had misconceptions about him, then so can we. Somewhere in our understanding of Jesus, we have at least one blind spot or gap, if not more. And when I say that, it doesn't mean that we cannot know who Jesus is. It just means that we are limited and we cannot know Jesus completely and exhaustively, especially if Jesus is everything he says he is in the Bible. So whether we have been followers of Jesus for decades or whether we are skeptics, we, like Thomas, refuse to listen to the truth about Jesus. We, like Thomas, place our own conditions on Jesus, on who he should be, what he should do, and we, like Thomas, are reluctant and unwilling towards him somewhere in our hearts, somewhere in our lives. And I can actually personally attest to this. This upcoming July, it will, be, it will be 25 years since I confessed Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And as recent as this past month, the past four weeks, I felt God was showing me spiritual, emotional, and relational blind spots in my heart and in my life that humbled me tremendously during this Lenten season. If the Jesus you imagine or believe never surprises you, never makes you uncomfortable, or never confuses you, there's a good chance you have a blind spot or gap in your understanding of Jesus. Jesus' resurrection was a complete shock to everyone, including those who spent the most time with Him, those who were closest to Him. So if the Jesus in your mind is predictable or boring, you're more like Thomas than you think. The resurrection, if true, means that Jesus can do anything. There is no limit to what He can overcome in the world, to what He can do or undo in our personal lives, what He can accomplish through limited and imperfect people like you and me. The resurrection changes everything. So in our passage today, John chapter 20, uh, 24 to 31, Jesus shows us three ways He changes everything for us. And the first way is that Jesus meets us where we are. Jesus meets us where we are. Jesus appears eight days after he first appeared to the first disciples. So for eight days, Thomas's disbelief in the resurrection was justified. For eight days, the resurrection remained an impossibility in Thomas's mind. 
But everything changes when Jesus appears to the disciples a second time, this time with Thomas in verse 26, and he greets them with, Peace be with you. And that's an important thing that, to note because Thomas should have been scared about his doubt. Thomas should have been scared about his refusal to believe in the resurrection, but Jesus says, Peace be with all of you. Thomas's doubt and refusal to believe doesn't keep Jesus from appearing to him. Jesus did not have to come a second time just because Thomas missed the bus, because he missed the first appearance. Jesus didn't owe Thomas a resurrection experience, especially given that he refused to believe in it, but he still comes. And because Jesus appeared to Thomas, the resurrection changes impossibility in Thomas's mind into reality. If Jesus could be raised from the dead, what could he not do? And all of us have faced or might be facing right now a situation that might feel so impossible in our minds, something so dark, so discouraging, either in the world or in our lives that causes us to grieve, to want to give up, to lash out, or to feel numb inside. Maybe it's this pandemic that we can't get to go away while lives continue to be lost every single day. Maybe it's the anti-black sentiment that we're seeing even during the, the trial of Derek Chauvin and it feels like George Floyd is being lynched all over again. And maybe it's the anti-Asian violence particularly against our women, our elders, and a lot of us aren't doing okay. Or maybe it's something more personal, a broken relationship, some impossible situation in our lives that seems to be suffocating us. The resurrection of Jesus Christ means that there is nothing he cannot change. If Jesus can conquer physical death, spiritual separation caused by sin, then what can't he conquer? Things that seem like defeat and failure can be transformed to victory and success. Things that can can feel like a curse can be transformed into a blessing. Things that seem like a disappointment can be transformed to actually be fulfillment in Jesus' mighty name. And Thomas's encounter shows us that it may not happen on our terms according to our preferred method centered around our personal comfort or even in our timing because we have to remember eight days. But Jesus desires to meet you where you are. The resurrection, if you believe in it, proves that Jesus wants to meet you right where you are. And when Jesus meets us, the resurrection changes everything. So first, the resurrection changes everything because the risen Christ wants to meet us where we are. Second, he wants to reveal himself to us. He wants to reveal himself to us. Jesus specifically tells Thomas to see for himself what he demanded to see. And we have to compare Thomas's words in verse 25 with Jesus's words in verse 27. Put your finger here and see my hands and put out your hand and place it in my side. It's almost like Jesus is giving what Thomas asked for. But what's really happening here is that Jesus wanted Thomas to see him for who he fully was on his terms. Thomas got a firsthand taste of the resurrect, resurrected Jesus's omniscience and his omnipresence. Jesus somehow heard Thomas talk to the other disciples even when he was not there physically. Jesus offers the evidence of his wounds, not because Jesus owed Thomas what he demanded to see. I believe 
Jesus offers his wounds to show Thomas a greater picture of who he is, the promised Messiah, the Son of God. And here, Thomas witnessed that with his own eyes that Jesus was somehow still human. He had a body that could be seen and touched. So the Jesus that Thomas uh, saw and, and heard in verse 27 was not the same Jesus he knew before. The resurrected Jesus was greater than Thomas could have ever imagined or expected. Thomas was, was face to face with God's anointed king after thinking that Jesus was a teacher who was condemned a criminal, dead and buried. The resurrection changes Thomas's narrow view of Jesus to a much greater view of Jesus. And it wasn't that Thomas didn't know Jesus at all. Remember, Thomas spent a lot of time with Jesus. Thomas had a real knowledge of Jesus, but he didn't have a full knowledge. He didn't have a full understanding of who he was. And we are the same way. Most of us have a real and true knowledge of Jesus, but even at our best, we have a limited knowledge, a limited understanding of him. At Jesus' resurrection, we are actually confronted with a decision to make. Do we keep holding on to how we view Jesus today, or do we open ourselves to the possibility that Jesus is greater than we could have ever imagined, no matter how long you have been a believer, no matter how, how much you've read the Bible? Um, in high school, I remember my dad came home with a painting to hang at our house. He had uh, attended a charity art show uh, for missions at an art, art gallery, and my dad was moved by this particular piece. When he brought it home, he told us how this painting made him feel different emotions, and he saw things that weren't even there on the canvas. But there was a big problem. Our living room was nowhere near the size of the gallery, and the dark colors of that painting made our entire house feel gloomy and dreary. And no one, none of us, only my dad, but none, none of the rest of us could see what my dad saw in the gallery. And it wasn't that the painting changed when it moved from the gallery to our house. It was that the painting wasn't being seen from the perspective it needed to be viewed. Therefore, those who weren't there at the gallery, we couldn't appreciate and experience it fully. And I think the resurrection of, the, of Jesus Christ means, like Thomas, we need to see more of the greatness of Jesus. We need to step back. We need to see him on his terms. And if the resurrection is true, Jesus is greater than we could ever, ever imagine and for believers, we have to constantly, constantly fight this human tendency to want to make sense of him. The resurrection should not make full sense to us. There should be aspects that shock us and amaze us about Jesus, about the resurrection, no matter how long we have been following him. Late author and pastor Eugene Peterson, he writes this, If, the, if Jesus' resurrection is at the center of our spiritual formation, which I'm convinced it is, then this sense of wonder is a big part of what goes on. Puzzlement, astonishment, surprise. God is at work and right here in Jesus, in you, in me. If you believe in the resurrection, a sense of wonder is a requirement for your following of Jesus. The resurrection didn't make sense to anyone when he appeared. And more often than not, Jesus' words and actions should surprise us, amaze us, and confuse us. And for any, 
anyone who is listening right now who doubts the resurrection or has objections about Jesus, you are actually responding more appropriately to Jesus than some believers. And I invite you to really just read the Bible because more than any book by a brilliant author or listening to a debate between scholars sitting on both sides of the argument, see how Jesus reveals himself in Scripture. If you have no idea where to start, the Gospel of John is actually a, a great place to start. The resurrection, if you believe in it, proves that Jesus wants to reveal himself to us, the fullness of who he is. And when we truly see him, we will never be the same again. We will never be the same again. So the resurrection changes everything because the risen Christ wants to meet us where we are. He wants to reveal himself. And lastly, he invites us to believe and experience life with him. He invites us to believe and experience life with him. Jesus rebukes Thomas for his unbelief and calls him to believe. And it appears that Thomas doesn't even need to touch the wounds of Jesus that he so demanded. He responds in verse 28 with, My Lord and my God. This is actually the only time in any of the four Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John where Jesus is addressed as my God. Jesus is declaring Jesus' deity, that Jesus was God and that Jesus was his personal God. Thomas goes from someone who ignored the words of his fellow disciples someone who set conditions on Jesus, someone who refused to believe in the resurrection, to someone who witnesses Jesus firsthand, someone who sees, us, sees Jesus more fully for who he is, and all of a sudden he believes and professes Jesus as God, which has, hasn't been done before. It was one thing to affirm Jesus as a great teacher or a prophet sent by God, but it was categorically different to affirm that Jesus was God in the flesh. The resurrection proves that anything can be reversed. Death is conquered so that life is possible. Devastating disappointment is transformed into unshakable hope. A suffering Savior all of a sudden becomes a glorious risen King. Mourning and grieving of Jesus' followers becomes joy and happiness. The resurrection changed everything for Thomas. And historical tradition actually tells us that Thomas would leave the Roman Empire and become a missionary to southern India, eventually being martyred there. The, resurre the resurrection transformed a doubter into a missionary, into a proclaimer of the good news of Jesus Christ, even unto death. The resurrection is proof that redemptive reversal is possible. Pastor and author Esau Macaulay he wrote a New York Times article that came out on Good Friday saying that there are two sides to Easter. One is a celebration which we are very com uh, comfortable and more familiar with, celebration of new beginnings. And the other is the disturbing prospect that God is present with us. And this means his power breaks out and unsettles the world. This disturbing prospect that God is with us. He explains further the terrifying prospect of Easter is that God called witnesses to the resurrection to return to the same world that crucified Jesus with a very dangerous gift. Hope in the power of God, the unending reservoir of forgiveness and an abundance of love. It would make them seem like fools. Who could believe such a thing? Christians at their best are fools who dare to believe in God's power to call dead things to life. 
The resurrection should unsettle us. The resurrection, if we really believe it, should cause us to look like fools who dare to believe that Jesus can change everything. The resurrection, if you believe it, is proof of God's power, which is actually promised in Scripture to be at work in us. And with that power of the resurrection, it fuels our life every single day, moving us to tackle impossible situations in our lives, finding tangible ways to not let the very real darkness and and evil around us overtake us or any other image bearer of God. It makes us creative and generous in how we love our neighbors right here in Boston or halfway across the planet and much more. We uh, quote-unquote foolishly believe that Jesus can change the world. And when we start to live that way, we will experience the most meaningful life with Jesus. Jesus says it himself in verse 29, Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. Thomas came to faith because he was able to physically see Jesus. And Jesus tells him that there will, there will be people who put their faith in him without seeing him physically. And Jesus says that they will be more blessed than Thomas. In Jesus' eyes, we lack nothing when we believe Jesus, even today, 2,000 years removed when Jesus was here on earth. Jesus wants to bless you for your faith. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 8-9 reads, Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. This is the joy that we can have today. It's not some sort of consolation prize for not having seen Jesus in person when he was here. It is Jesus' personal blessing to us, indescribable joy of experiencing God's presence and power. Today, we are invited to believe, maybe for the first time, or maybe we are invited to recommit to believing. We are invited to experience the fullness of life with Jesus because the resurrection changes everything. Catholic scholar George Weigel He writes about the Easter effect, and this is what he says. The Easter effect is the joy of people who had become convinced that they were witnesses to something inexplicable, and he's talking about the resurrection, inexplicable but nonetheless true, something that gave a super abundance of meaning to life that erased the fear of death, something that had to be shared, something with which to change the world. People with resurrection faith believe that the risen Christ changes everything. People with resurrection faith understand that Jesus came to bring healing, peace, joy, and justice to this world. And people with resurrection faith embrace that they are also invited through the church participating in the mission that Jesus started. And people with resurrection faith commit to to making the world a better place including making their risen Savior known to others so that as many people as possible can come to know who Jesus really is. If the resurrection is true, it changes everything. If we believe in the resurrection, we must be transformed people. We have to live with foolish abandon, tenacious resilience, lavish love, and greater purpose, even while we experience grief and lament in this life. And this causes 
wherever we go to become a better place and whoever we encounter to be helped in experiencing fullness of life. And that's what Easter Sunday is about. That's what Resurrection Sunday is about. The stakes are high because if any of this is true, then the resurrection changes everything in our lives and in the world. Would you join me in prayer? God, we thank you for your word. If the Bible were trying to make an irrefutable argument of logic, it makes no sense to include this story. That someone who spent the most time, um, uh, yeah, someone who was among the people who spent the most time with you, doubted you. But this story is here to challenge us, to encourage us, to move us forward in our relationship with you. We thank you as John wraps up chapter 20 that the word was given so that we may believe and have life in Jesus' name. God, we thank you for the story of Thomas because through Thomas we can see that you are able to meet us where we are. You go out of your way to show yourself to Thomas. We thank you for the resurrection story with Thomas because it also shows us that you want to show us more of who you are, Jesus. We thank you for this story because it reminds us that we're invited every single day to believe you, to trust you, to hold on to you, and to experience the fullest life possible, even in the midst of all that might be broken or heavy or painful. We thank you that the resurrection means hope and joy. We thank you that the resurrection means the things that we might be so certain about can be redemptively reversed. So I pray for everyone who is worshiping with us, whether they are followers of you or, or not, that they will come to see you for who you really are through your holy word. I pray that as we continue to worship, that we don't bank too much on just this Sunday, but we think about the implications for tomorrow, next month, this upcoming year of the resurrection. Help us to not take it lightly. Help us to really concretely make changes as needed in your name and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Because what's at stake is everything in our lives and everything we can do to make this world a better place in Jesus' name. So we thank you, we praise you, and we lift this all up in your Son's holy name. Amen.